podcast coming at you in 2023. Happy New Year, everybody. We have a 2023 version of this podcast, and why not waste any time? Let's get straight into it. Welcome in my friend, Matt Mattawarren, joining myself, Brandon Marcus, on the Ethos Clippers podcast. What's up, my, my dude? Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? Happy New Year. Great to be back. Great to be here discussing the clips in 2023 with you and all of Ethos Clipper Nation. So, wow, we have a lot to get to, my friend. We talked last time, I believe it was Tuesday, um, that we chatted before the Clippers took on Boston. And we were unsure if we are going to get pot out after that. And then there was quickly, obviously, a game on New Year's Eve. You and I both had different things going on. I had a game that I was broadcasting yesterday afternoon. And by the time I got home, you had your New Year's Eve festivities. You were out drinking till about 4 a.m. You know, you're, you barely made it to the computer today. No, not that's not exactly what happened. <laughs> and, and the Clippers lost, obviously, in yesterday's game. So we're going to talk all about it. But first, Happy New Year. Anything exciting you do last night? Did you spend $400 on an Uber? I didn't spend $400 on an Uber. Uh, we, I, I thought about it because I did drive. And believe it or not, um, for those who don't live in Los Angeles, it was raining pretty hard last night. Yeah. And, and, and I was on the freeway uh, driving from a dinner to home to make it to 1203 just so I can get right past that New Year's, give a little cheers, put the sleep mask on with my now wife, and go to sleep. But it was lovely. We we had dinner with our moms, which 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 we want to do. A little little champagne, a little bit of wine. She had a white claw. I had a beer, and then we went to sleep. That sounds lovely. And you made it probably about three hours more than I did. I think I went to bed about nine fifteen, nine thirty, and then I was up again. I think at eleven fifteen. Um, because we are taking care of my brother-in-law's dog. And since it was pouring rain, the dog didn't want to go outside right before he went to sleep. And so we put the dog out at 11.15 because he jumped off the bed. It was still raining. So we obviously had to let the dog out. He decided to go, came back in, and we went back to sleep. And so I was asleep, woke up, and went back to sleep again before you even went to sleep the first time. So Mazel Tov, congratulations on that one, Matt. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, who knows? Every year, every year, it's it. Is this going to be the one where I don't make it to midnight in 2023? It might just be that year, but we have 364 more days to figure that out. Yes, we do, and we do not have that many days to figure out whether Terrence Mann is going to be playing big minutes for the Los Angeles Clippers, and that seems to be the hot topic right now. Um, I watched the first half yesterday, most of it. And then I had to broadcast a game um, at 2 o'clock yesterday, so I was unable to catch the second half, but I was following along on Twitter, um, and I saw some highlights here and there. You were able to watch the game yesterday. Let's start with yesterday's game before we hit on anything with the Boston game. Um, You and I talked on Tuesday, I believe it was, that we said that every game matters and every win matters. And the game at Indiana, I penciled in as a win for the Clippers, and they did not win. They lost by one. Um, at Indiana, the defense was terrible. Um, Indiana ended up shooting 52% from the field. Tyrese Halliburton is him. That dude is unbelievable. And Miles Turner was incredible as well. Um, Zoo was awesome last time these two teams played. Can't be, can't say the same about this game. 6.7 rebounds. 
Um, I want to get your impressions first on yesterday's game, and then we can kind of go into the details of it. Um, but I want to get your take first. What were your thoughts? But absolutely came down to to defense. I mean, like you said, Halliburton, who is a stud, one of my favorite my favorite guys in the league, and then one of my maybe top top five favorite guys in the league. You mentioned him, Yoga Miles Turner. I mean, they were just having their way, and the Clippers were at times lost on defense. Um, they were doing anything they wanted inside, especially when, you know, Zoo played 27 minutes, but down the stretch, uh, the Clippers were up, looked look like we had a handle on the game, maybe up five, six points, and then and then the, the Pacers either tied it up or even took the lead, and that was before Zoo checked in. I was calling out on Twitter, where is Zoo? I wasn't the only one. Uh, there were some other other Clipper fans uh, calling for it as well. So the rotations left a little something to be desired. But defensively, it just I, I don't know why there was such a disconnect or such a breakdown. Uh, Buddy Heel got loose uh, throughout the game a, a lot of a lot in that first half. Mm-hmm. But that um, that's when the Clippers fell behind early. So I expected what you expected. I expected a win. Maybe not, maybe not an easy win, but especially coming off of how well they played against Boston in Boston, I thought going into Indiana, there'd just be a little extra juice there. And while it was one thirty-one to one thirty, so we did get points up again. Turnovers were a problem, uh, fifteen of them in this game, which is not an exorbitant amount, but only that's only eleven for the Pacers. And I just, I, I just thought that the Pacers were were getting getting anything they want, especially in the fourth quarter and down the stretch. They were getting to their spots. They were getting fouled. They were getting and ones, getting down low. Um, so it, it was a little confusing to see uh, just why they were able to run anything, they seemingly anything they, they wanted on us. Yeah, I got a chance to listen um, to the first quarter uh, before I watched the second quarter on my laptop, and I was able to listen to the dulcet tones of Noah Eagle, who is phenomenal on the radio for the Clippers. And uh, I couldn't, I mean, it was seemed like it was three or four times where the uh, Pacers got an offensive rebound and it ended up in a buddy healed three. It, it just felt like healed was getting loose um, in that first quarter. And it was killer. I mean, they'd had a really bad first quarter um, defensively did not do what they needed to do offensively. They were shooting great. And if you would have told me after the game, the Clippers shot 54%. They hit 16 of their 34 threes, and they went 28 for 29 from the free throw line. I would have told you they would have won easily. I mean, those are incredible numbers, and we talked about those numbers um, in the Clippers games a couple of games ago and how they shot really well. Just the difference was that they turned over the basketball, and that's why they lost one of the two games that they lost despite shooting well in both those games. And, of course, the same goes here. 16 turnovers, and the Pacers get 16 points off those turnovers. Whereas the Pacers only turned it over 12 times and the Clippers got 15 points off turnovers. And once you know it, one more point off turnovers, one more point is what the Pacers win by. Uh, so turnovers turned out to be really big again. And you mentioned a couple things there. Um, let's not um, blow past this Terrence Mann thing. I think it's worth mentioning now uh, because it seems to be the real cause for concern right now is Terrence Mann's minutes and his role in this small ball team. And we're going to talk even more about this on Tuesday. Uh, Justin Wilson of LA Clippers film is scheduled to uh, jump on the pod. But I want to I want to figure this out, uh, Justin. Matt, um, that, I think that's your name, Matt Matawarren. Um, what, do the Clippers, what do the Clippers do? Because you look at yesterday's game, 
and no Batum. And so you would have thought immediately, and I tweeted this out, that Rocco would have played a significant role, not nine minutes, a significant role, because Batum plays, what, 20, 25 minutes in a given night, and Rocco only played nine. So that means, okay, where are the other minutes going towards? Well, Terrence Mann's got to get those minutes, right? Because Batum's out of the lineup and Rocco's only getting nine. Not the case. Terrence Mann only played nine minutes. John Wall only played 15, Kennard 20, Powell 24. That was the extent of the bench. Now, Terrence Mann is someone that provides a lot of energy. And when your defense is struggling, Terrence Mann is a guy that you want to have on the floor. And the Clippers finally decide to insert him in the game late in the third quarter, I believe it was. And he didn't do a whole lot. I mean, one of one from the field, two points, two rebounds, one assist, nothing defensively. What do the Clippers do here? Um... Tell me your thoughts, and then I'll give you mine on what makes sense with the rotations and how the Clippers can solve this, because they seem to be going to small ball a lot with no backup center, and the small ball is maybe a little too small at times. Listen, I know right now it's not looking great for the Clippers to win the NBA title, but if you want to get some good odds for the Clippers to get those guys back and win some money, head over to my bookie. Which team has the best shot? We think it's the Clippers, obviously. Well, gotta tell you, if Kawhi and PG are back, I love those odds. If futures aren't your thing, it's been profitable betting player props this season thanks to Anthony Davis. Yeah, I know, Anthony Davis, he's a Laker. And Steph Curry. Regardless of what you're betting on, cash in and cash out quick with my bookie using the promo code ETHOS when you make your first deposit. E-T-H-O-S, ETHOS. You heard that right. My bookie will spot you extra cash with your deposit, minimum $45. But you can claim the bonus all the way up to 2000 You heard me, 2000 turn game day into payday when you bet with my bookie yeah you just took the words right out of my mouth i think this insistence on going like super small ball uh it's 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 not proving to work i mean like you said but it's huge just it's you kind of see how much batum means to this team um especially defensively he's just always in the right place at the right time if there's ever a deflection if there's ever uh, a turnover or or he's or you know and then a transition he'll be open for a three he's just always in the right place at the right time so that's going to be a huge one man does need to get in there a lot more 9 minutes in this game and let me look here i believe it was 5 minutes in the loss to the Celtics so combined 14 minutes in the last two losses maybe there's a little correlation there he he is an energy guy he's very very switchable on defense and he sort of gives a different dynamic. I know he's only he only took one shot. He was one for one um, offensively, but he does he he is a, a little bit disruptive when he has the ball. Um, he drives into the lane quite a bit. The defense hopefully will collapse, and we he can kick out and we can move the ball for a few more open opportunities for shots. So that needs to happen. But at at the end of the day, as much as as much as I love Moses Brown, as much as I, I want to stock up on jerseys of his uh, for, for for all time to come. Not having a backup center. I mean, Miles Turner went nuts. I shudder to think for the likes of Jokic, the likes of Embiid, um, even Giannis, perhaps if he, he jumps in that center. I mean, just the the, the big but the big guys. Even let's think of like a Stephen Adams or something like that. Like I, I shudder to think what what this small ball lineup is going to look like when we run up against behemoths like that uh, in, as, as the playoffs move forward in seven game series, it's going to, it could really start to weigh on the team. Yeah. So I think there's a really simple um, solution here and we've been talking about it. God, since before the season even started 
about the Clippers having a really deep roster and do they need to consolidate um, and where do they consolidate? And I think that's really the big question. The Clippers need to get bigger. Um, and that doesn't mean getting a center. I don't think that's really the select answer here. Um, would a backup big be nice? Yes. Does it have to be a backup center? Not necessarily. Um, it needs to be, I would say, a power forward type that can rebound the basketball because this second unit just doesn't get enough rebounds. When you look at who's coming off the bench, you look at yesterday, Rocco, Powell, Wall, Man, Kennard. Who the hell is going to rebound the basketball in that group apart from Rocco? It's not good enough, Matt. It's not good enough. And so the Clippers need to get longer, and it's weird to say that with how athletic they are, uh, but they need to figure out a way to get some rebounders in because you can't have this continue to happen where you are getting crushed with these small ball lineups because you don't have guys in that can rebound the basketball. And the thing with Terrence Mann, and it's fascinating because – there was a lot of back and forth on Twitter after the Boston game. And you chimed in, I believe, as well, when I was talking, um, I believe it was, I forget even who, even who it was too, um, but I was saying it, I, I'm okay with where the Clippers are right now because, frankly, all that matters right now, and th- this is going completely counterintuitive to what we said with how every game and every win matters, but what matters right now is that PG and Kawhi are playing and they're healthy. And I would say PG looks damn good after scoring 45 points yesterday, and he was aggressive. He put up 25 shots. That is the t- PG we want to see. And Kawhi was outstanding as well. Um, not in the first half, but he was much better in the second half when he decided to be assertive. And when those guys can come out of a game healthy and they continue to be on the floor, that's a big win. And that's one step closer to getting to where you want to be in the postseason. Now, that being said... I don't love when Ty Lue says after the game that he doesn't know what Terrence Mann's role is. Andrew Greif asked him what he envisions the role is for Terrence Mann. He said, I don't know. Those were exact words. I don't know. And here's the thing. I understand it because he hasn't had everybody healthy. And that's been the big thing that you and I have talked about is that you can't really figure out where the pieces go in the puzzle when everyone's um, injured. And finally, these guys are getting back healthy. And Ty Lue's got to figure out where do they go. And so I kind of understand when he says, I don't know, but at the same time, you knew what T-Man brought to your team last year. You knew what he brought to your team the year before. You know what he's brought to the team this year. To not have an idea of how many minutes you want to play Terrence Mann and what type of role he plays with guys like PG and Kawhi, it's it's not good. I'm not okay with it. And so that didn't sit right with me, Matt. It's concerning. Yeah, uh, Terrence Mann is obviously an integral part. He's we we saw what he did uh, years ago in in a Utah series. What he's capable of. It's it's not as if we, we know what Terrence Mann is capable of, and certainly Ty Lue does. Yeah. And it, it, there shouldn't be all this quite all these question marks surrounding, especially when Andrew Grief asked him. You know, I, I don't know is, is is sort of a strange answer. And I want to I want to go back to something speak something you said on on Twitter as well. Um, I believe it was yesterday, and I, I I didn't get a chance to really respond to it, but it did it did strike a chord with me. You were mentioning that these kind of games, these these games against, and the Pacers are good, but these games that are that are winnable, losing games like this, and this is why every game, every win, really, 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 really matters, is because you were saying you don't want Tyloo to be forced to run PG and Kawhi into the ground before we even get to the playoffs yep. in order to try to get uh, decent seating or 
not be in the plane or whatever the case may be. Because these are two different kinds of superstars in, in Kawhi and Paul George. And while they're out there and healthy and we want that, it's going to be great. But, you know, 40 to 35 minutes in game after game after game after game may, may be a detriment when, when playoff time comes. And to add on to that, and by the way, we're probably going to mention this every single podcast. And so you're going to get sick of me saying it. And uh, I'm not sorry because it, it truly is the most important thing. And I feel like I'm one of the very few people that continues to mention this all the time. But I don't think people understand how brutal those first one or two games of the play-in tournament are. And especially when you have two guys that are going to be on the floor the entire game because they are must-win games, it puts a lot of wear and tear on them before you even enter into a seven-game series. And you just cannot have the Clippers enter into the play-in tournament. The Clippers are in the play-in tournament. They are not winning the NBA title. I can guarantee you of that just because the amount of minutes that are going to go on these guys through the entire postseason and even before that, because if they're in the play-in tournament, that means that in the final month of the season, they're playing a lot of minutes most likely because they want to get out of that spot. So it's a dangerous place to be. And when you and I did the pod on Tuesday, the Clippers were the four seed. Well, now they're the six seed. And that's how crazy the West is right now. The Clippers are only half a game up on Phoenix, one and a half up on Golden State and Portland. And you need to get a bigger cushion against Golden State while Curry's out because right now they've won four in a row and they're going to win a lot of games when Curry gets back. And Sacramento may be a team that drops out. Dallas, perhaps, into the play-in tournament. But Luka's been unbelievable. And so the Clippers have to win these games. And losing a game against Indiana is not good. And to have your coach come out and say he doesn't know what the role is for a guy that was on the floor in the biggest comeback that you've had in a playoff game against Utah in Terrence Mann just is very odd to me. It's very odd because T-Man is one of those guys that will play his ass off every single night. And you can't say that about every single guy in the Clippers. And it goes back to even something that Marcus Morris, I believe, said last year was that the Clippers showed up thinking that they were just going to win games. Um, and that it wasn't the case. And I don't know if it was last year or this year they said that, but you can't do that. You can't just assume because you're the Clippers and because you have these star players that you're going to be fine. And that's where the problem is right now. And you have PG and Kawhi, and the other pieces usually fit in well. But if you're not going to have Batum on the floor, you got to have somebody else that provides that spark and that is a calming presence on both sides of the ball. And I think Terrence Mann is that guy. And he, nine minutes just isn't good enough. And I do wonder if the Clippers are going to make a deal and whether that means trading away John Wall and Rocco if Rocco's not going to play, if it's trading away John Wall and Norman Powell, um, trading away John Wall and somebody else, I don't know. Um, Marcus Morris won't be that guy. I would assume that they would trade, even though he he and Kennard are uh, with those good contracts. I think they just need to do something, and, and that's where I kind of am right now. A move needs to be made. I'm, I'm with you on the wall, Rocco stuff, especially if Covington's not going to play. I, I, I yeah. don't think they're going to trade senior as much as he's probably the number one trade candidate there is a about a nine plus million dollar trade exception from Serge Ibaka in there as well there are moves to be made I want to echo what you said too just just so it's not lost on the uh on the audience and that you don't think that you're alone here in 2023 I also don't think if if the Clippers 
were to get into the or to fall into the playing tournament, right? Because like you said, the the standings in the West, they're as fragile as those champagne flutes that my wife and I were smashing until four in the morning last night. It can go in any direction. It can get shattered in an instant. And it's essentially like finishing the regular season, which you said is going to be huge minutes, and then you're immediately going into a game seven in a playoff atmosphere. And that is really, really tough. And then to go into the, your normal seven-game series, it's going to be impossible or nearly impossible for the Clippers to climb the mountain at that point. So I, I, I think I think what you said there is perfect. Um, and I echo those I echo those thoughts exactly. But I do think I do think a move probably needs to be made to a shrinking or shrinking to shrink the uh, rotation, especially when it comes to playoff time. And like and like you said, to get a little more oomph, so to speak, down low. So we're not getting killed on the uh, on the offensive glass when Zoo's not out there. And here's the one thing, Matt, that's a little bit worrisome is that if you do make a trade and you have spent the last couple of weeks trying to integrate everybody and figure out what works, you bring in somebody else and you're trying to figure out how that person fits into this team. And that's the dangerous part about making a trade is that the Clippers haven't had everybody healthy all year. They're finally starting to get mostly everybody healthy except for Batum. Now, what do you do when you bring somebody else in? Then you have to figure out how that person works alongside PG and Kawhi and who should be on the floor with whoever that person is. That's the dangerous part of this game, Matt, is trying to figure out, does it make sense to make a deal? Because you look at Ty Lu and he said, I want 15 straight games with everybody healthy so I can figure out where this team is. Well, you add in a different piece that you acquire at the deadline, and the Clippers only have 21 games after the All-Star break. So does it make sense to even bring somebody in to try and figure out where that person fits? And that's where I kind of think it won't be somebody big. It'll be somebody more of a not not big as in like a tall human being. I think it's more likely it's a tall human being, but somebody big as in like a big name. I'm just not sure that they'll do that when they only have a certain amount of games that they have after the All-Star break. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, if they if they brought in a professional basketball player that wasn't a tall human being, then I'd be really concerned. I'd be really scared <laughs> if 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 they did that. I I they may they would think maybe uh, Lawrence Frank had lost his mind. But, I mean a big man. I mean a big man. I know what you mean. I know, and I and I I, I don't I don't think it's gonna be a blockbuster by by any means either. I mean, you know, I you know how I have a just a, a an affinity for for my guy Rashawn Holmes. I I put him in the trade machine about a hundred times. Just because I know he can play, I feel, he can, I feel like he can fit into any system. But it is kind of pick your poison, I think, at that point. When, let's say it gets down to the all-star break or the trade deadline. And things are, I don't want to say stagnant, but they're status quo. And, you know, we're still getting killed on the offense. I mean, is it is it you roll with what we have because there is some cohesion there, but it's not necessarily working the way you want? Or do you mix it up? Do you roll the dice? Do you try to, do you try to get a Yahtzee here um, and see if we can? bring in a, another piece like you said not a uh, not a superstar by any level but somebody even on the buyout market we don't know who's going to be out there but somebody that can sort of round things into shape or go with what we have so it's it's kind of a pick your poison it's going to be an interesting an interesting decision that they have to make and i i guess i guess the next few weeks to a month up until trade deadline all-star break time will really tell the tale and be important as to how how Ty Lu and the Clips want to move forward with either the pieces that we have, bringing in somebody new. Yeah, we'll, only time will tell. 
Yeah, and, and it's just a matter of do you want to take the final whatever amount of games that are left to get everybody together and figure out what rotations work based on the guys you currently have on your roster? Or do you want to add somebody in because you think there's a weak point? And at the same time, is it not only is because there's a weak point or because you think that Ty Lue's just going small too often and so you want to try to take matters out of his hands and give him a different group of players to work with so that he doesn't go small. I mean, it really does feel like Ty Lue is falling into the Doc Rivers trap a little bit where he just has this need to go small. And Golden State obviously did it so well back with the death lineup. But there's a part of me that thinks that Ty Lue at one point is just going too small at times. Like there's a small lineup. And then there's crazy. I mean, there's four guards that he's putting on the floor. I think yesterday he had, what, Powell um, joining on the floor with Reggie Jackson and Terrence Mann, Kennard. It just feels like it's really too small um, at times. And, I mean, you look at my buddy Shap of the Lob the Jam podcast, who does a really good job. He said uh, he posted a tweet earlier today that um, in the five-man lineup of Reggie Jackson – with Nico Batum and 213, which is Paul George and Kawhi, obviously, um, net rating of plus 37. And 15 minutes of Wall, Nico, Paul George, Kawhi, and Marcus Morris, which is, I mean, that is a decent small ball lineup plus 7.1. So that's the thing, is that you've got to figure out who works on the floor. And by the way, both those lineups had Nico in it. And I just don't think you can go small when you don't have Nico on the floor because I don't think Marcus is good enough rebounder. Um, I don't think he's good enough defensively at times. And it just feels like Roko would be that guy, but I just don't know if they trust him. So I just feel like at times you're going to have to play your dude Moses Brown if you're going to not play Zoo more minutes. Because here's the issue, Matt is that we've now seen a couple of games where Zoo has been left on the on the bench late in games when there's been no need because he's shown that he can play 35, 40 minutes if need be, and we played 27 minutes yesterday. That's a problem, is that when you're going too small too many times. That, that I think, is where I kind of have the issue, is that Ty Lue's just going to it too long, just like he did with Trez. I mean, just like uh, Doc did with Trez instead of Zoo several years ago. Yeah, the, I'm, I'm I'm sorry, I was, I was having flashbacks of hmm. some of those Doc Rivers rotations, and it was the, my, my eyes were rolling into the back of my head, but you're right. And just to go a little further with that, I'm, you know, against, again, going, going super small, even against the Pacers with, that's a Miles Turner in the middle, right? Or let's say the game before, just to talk about recency, with like the Celtics, um, that's that's against a a Robert Williams who's not completely healthy and and Al Horford who's is still great but he's not the biggest guy in the world but I've just I've got my eyes I got my eyes on the West and I just keep thinking about the playoffs and and I I just keep thinking about Denver and New Orleans and these these teams that are they are, have the potential to be really really big inside and the small the small lineups and or just Zoo versus those teams really really scares me for you know, f come playoff time and come a series. Uh, you know, we play the Nuggets. Um, we, we go to Denver, I believe, Thursday of this week. 
which will be an interesting an interesting time to actually see what happens when uh, when it's us versus Jokic and the crew. Yeah, and it's a back-to-back, so you would assume that Kawhi and PG will play on that Thursday, and then Kawhi will sit at Minnesota on Friday. Um, so two big games. I mean, one at home against Miami um, and Jimmy Butler, which who knows if he's healthy because he seems to sit out every other game. And then Thursday at Denver, two really big games for the Clippers, and you can't – you can – I want to say you can't get away with playing small against Miami because Bam is a really good center, but I think you're going to need to play Zoo a lot more than you have because Bam is going to play a lot of minutes, and you got to play Zoo against him. You just need to have a good defensive presence against him because Bam is great offensively and defensively, and you need to counter that with somebody who's good offensively and defensively in Zoo. And then Thursday, of course, with Jokic, he's going to be on the floor a ton. you got to have Zoo on the floor. So I think these next two games will actually tell us a little bit more than what we've seen the last few because Boston doesn't have that traditional center. I mean, Robert Williams, Al Horford, those guys are not your typical big dudes. Um, I would, I mean, Bam's not either, but and Jokic is. So I, I think we'll we'll learn a little bit more about the Clippers and the rotations in the next couple of games. And I mean, I've said let, let's not get all upset now i mean we haven't even played a game yet in january and we still have january february march and then half of april to figure out where this team's going to be so let's cool on calling for ty's job which i've seen on twitter let's wait i mean the ty Lu has earned the ability to be where he is right now and he is the king of adjustments in the postseason He's got an entire regular season to make adjustments. I mean, if he can make adjustments between game one and game two, what do you think he can do between 10 games in January and then the next 10 games in January? So I think we need to give it some time, as frustrating as it is for us, because as you and I have said, every win does matter, every game does matter, and it doesn't feel like it's being t- treated that way at the moment. That's that, I think that's the issue. Yeah, it's kind of hard to have the. Uh, that's a great point. It's kind of hard to have the regular season equivalent of going down 0-2 and then making adjustments, which we know happens quite a bit in the Tyloo era. But the adjustments are made. They they do usually tend to be the right adjustments. So it is a matter of holding tight. Um, and just I was just looking at Bam. Yeah, Bam plays over 35 minutes a game, or at least he's averaging that. So he'll be out there for quite a bit of the game, especially if Jimmy Butler doesn't play against the Heat. And then to go back to one more thing that you said earlier, and I meant to mention this because I'm so thrilled, I'm so thrilled to be a married man going into 2023 that my wife's uh, phone number, his area code actually starts with 213. It's not the it's not the, not the reason I married her, but <laughs> it helped. It helped. It helped. Hey, listen, maybe it's an omen for what we're about to experience this season. So we hit on the Terrence Mann thing. Um, Kudos, by the way, uh, I, I glanced over it, to what Paul George did yesterday. I mean, he basically did anything and everything for the Clippers. I mean, to end up with 45 points on 15 of 25 shooting when he does have the ability to shoot less than 40% in a game, goes 7 of 13 from 3, 8 of 8 from the line. The issue was the four turnovers for him, but he was unbelievable. And Kawhi had a great third quarter, like I mentioned. It just wasn't good enough from everybody else. And, I mean, they shot well. Reggie Jackson was 4 of 7. Zoo was 3 of 5. Marcus Morris was 5 of 11. Just not enough from the bench. And if you're going to call yourself a very deep team that's going to cause problems for teams, your bench has to do better. And I just don't think the Clippers benched it enough yesterday. And, frankly, the 
entire team just didn't play good enough defense. And um, one more thing I want to hit, and feel free to add on anything else if you want that you want to talk about, um, is the role of Luke Kennard. Because I have said for a little while at times that I just don't know if Luke is going to be in that playoff rotation. And then he showed up at the start of the season, added to his game. He attacked the hoop. He got into the paint. Great three-point shooter. I said, yeah, he's obviously going to be in the three-point rotation. I mean, in the regular season rotation, playoff rotation. Um, he's held, His defense has gotten better. But in the last couple of games, we've kind of seen that his defense isn't as good as we expected um, or as good as we thought. How much do you think Luke should be playing in a playoff matchup? Because he brings a lot to the floor, and he had a couple of games with no points, which frankly is not good enough. Um, he's got to make sure he's aggressive. I mean, he took six shots yesterday, or five shots yesterday, and he made two of five from three. But if he's going to get burned on the defensive end, that's going to be a problem. So how much do you do you think Luke should be playing? I mean, five shots yesterday, he took no shots in 17 minutes yeah. uh, against the Celtics, which, which was nuts. But having said that, uh, I'm a canard convert in that Mm-hmm. I was I was with you. I didn't. I was like, I was like, if anybody's gonna get traded, it's probably gonna be Luke. He's just Ty's not playing him. He's not fitting into the rotation defensively. He's a liability. And then I changed my mind this year. I love Luke out there. Uh, I think he. I think he's could be monumental in a playoff series, especially to swing a game that perhaps everybody else is coming out flat. Uh, shots aren't falling. Whatever the case may be, just spread the floor. And I think, I mean, if if everything stays the way it is, I think it may come out of the minutes, and I would maybe be a proponent of this at the moment, just just from watching the games of one, and I love him, but I think John Wall is the one to me mm-hmm. that sort of is not really, I don't see the, the puzzle piece fitting or clicking right now. There's a lot of, like, we've talked about this a couple of times on the pod, there's a lot of early shot clock, poor decisions, mid-range, um, and if they're not out and running and it goes into a half-court set, there's a lot that I don't particularly enjoy about watching watching his performance so far. And, of course, that can change. But to Luke, to the point of Luke Kennard, I do see him as a very important uh, rotational piece in, a play, in the regular season and in the playoffs as well. Yeah, and I think that it's up to Ty Lue to figure out who's going to surround him. And I think that if you're going to play Luke Kennard in a playoff series, that means that John Wall can't be on the floor most likely with him. Um, and I don't know how much a guy like Reggie Jackson can be on the floor with him. Um, that's the issue. I think you need to have probably two of Zoo, PG, actually three of two uh, Zoo, PG, Kawhi, and Batum, um, because I think that'll help cover up the defensive issues when you have some defensive dudes on the floor in Kawhi, PG, Batum, and Zoo. And that's the thing. Zoo, I mean, Tyloo has to figure out who he wants to play with these guys. And that's part of what the tinkering is right now is what makes sense. And I think there was a point where Ty Lue had not played. I could be dead wrong on this, but I thought there was a uh, time in the last couple of games where I think it was either Norman Powell or Ty or Kennard hadn't played any minutes with PG and Kawhi. And it clearly something's trying to be figured out by Ty Lue and, there's got to be something. There's got to be an answer because Kennard brings it too much offensively and same with Norman Powell to limit those two guys. And so you got to figure out who's going to help them defensively. So. That's right. I mean, that's if that's true, yeah, you 
Kawhi, Paul George, at least one, hopefully two, have to be on the floor when either one of those guys or both are on the floor. I mean, it just has to. There's there there can't be any way about it. Otherwise, otherwise you're not gonna you're not gonna stop anyone. It's just gonna be turnstiles all the way around. So that that is some tinkering that will need to be figured out. Um, but Norm Kennard, and then we've we've mentioned him several times. I mention him every single podcast because I just think he is the super glue for this team. And it's Batum. Yeah. It it I I can't overstate what he does for this squad. Um, both both with both with the numbers that you can see in in a, in a box score, and then just his presence on the on the court, his communication, his know how, his awareness, his experience. Um, I, I I just feel like he's so impactful, and his I I don't know what the what the minutes will will be for him going forward. It'll probably I would imagine stay about about the same. Hopefully, more than eight that he got in the uh, Boston game, but in the twenty or so range. But when he's on the floor, it's incredibly important. Sometimes the closeout games, sometimes not. But when 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 a game is in the balance, I I, I do think he's just one of the most important pieces that we have. Here's the thing: um, is that if Batum's not playing, you need to play Zoom more because clearly they are the two bigger dudes you have on your team in terms of height and that are great defensively and it, it really is not brain um whatever the hell the word is um it, it just doesn't take a brain doctor what am i looking for what's the for, for, I, I need one of those what, what am i looking rocket, for? rocket rocket scientist there is you that go. Is yeah. that is that one of the things that... yeah there you go it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that you need to have somebody who's good in defense on the floor to stop <laughs> teams and if batum's not there which he, like you said, he we you can make the case that he's the third most important Clipper. You need to play Zoom more, and you can't only play him twenty seven minutes. So I think that's what I'll look forward to the most these next couple of games is how much Zoo plays um, if Batum is out, and even Batum's healthy, how much Zoo plays and how much Batum plays. I think that's the most important thing that I want to watch over the next couple of games, along with of course Terrence Mann. Yeah, really, like you said, really mark these next two games in your calendar, folks. Like against the Heat. At home and then traveling to Denver, I am fascinated to see us because the Heat, how we bounce back from these two losses on the road, what the rotation looks like, and then especially Denver's the one. I I am laser focused. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. You said it is the is the first half of a back to back, so we'll yeah. see exactly who's playing. But I'm laser focused on this game. I will be watching in uh, intently. I will be taking notes. I will be doing the whole thing. Uh, you know, I can't wait. Zoo, by the way, in that game against Miami that the Clippers lost by five was a plus 10 in 33 minutes. So that is certainly something I want to watch in that game against Miami is how much Zoo plays because Marcus Morris should not be playing 36 minutes in a given game. Like as much as I like Marcus and I've talked about him time and time again on this podcast, how important it is to have a guy like Marcus when you have PG and Kawhi who are sitting out and always getting injured. You need someone on the floor that's going to get you points and that's going to be available a lot. As important as he is, he shouldn't be playing 36 minutes when the whole team is healthy. So that's certainly one of the guys that you can give Terrence Mann uh, some minutes from. So we'll see how Ty Lue adjusts the next couple of games. It'll certainly be interesting. So the Clippers play against Miami on Monday. That'll be 7.30 game Pacific time at home and then at Denver on Thursday. We'll look to have a podcast for you on Tuesday night as of now. Scheduled to have Justin Wilson of LA Clippers film on. And then I'll be back again 
um, at the weekend with Matt. And we'll chat about the game against Denver. We'll chat about the game against Minnesota the following night. And look ahead to the Sunday night game um, at home against Atlanta. So it'll be an interesting two-game road trip at Denver, at Minnesota. So we'll recap that next week. At BD Marcus for myself. At Matt Mattawarren for Matt. And of course, the Ethos Clippers handle as well as where you always get the podcast tweeted out along with the two of us who always make sure to tweet that podcast out. If you can rate and review the podcast, always does help. And of course, go ahead, follow the dudes over at Ethos Fantasy. I mean, everything that they're tweeting, especially our dude Dan, I mean, what he does each and every night to get all of the fantasy nuggets out to the people. There is no other fantasy analyst out there in any sport that tweets as much Every single night as Dan does about who you should have on your roster and goes into every single game and the details of every single game. So make sure that you're following Dan and make sure you're following everybody that's doing the blurbs over at Ethos Fantasy because they do a great job. Right, Matt? That's correct. I couldn't have said it better myself. I can't believe just how much how much work those guys over there, Dan and the whole crew, it's helped me out immensely. I'm, I'm climbing my way back into playoff contention I'm getting there in fantasy hoops, and it's because of it's because of the folks over at Ethos Fantasy. So I can't thank them enough. Yep, no doubt. Me too. All right, well, Happy New Year, everybody. 2023 is here. Hopefully this year brings a Clippers title, and uh, hopefully everybody has a little more optimism in their lives for the Clippers, and hopefully they have a case for some optimism with a win against Miami tomorrow night. So we'll see how that goes. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Brandon, and go Clips. Go Clips. listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them listen to people are the worst now on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts